0: Gonna be talking about the end times today. We're gonna be talking about a document from one of the ancient church fathers, and we're going to compare that, uh, with some biblical scripture. And this connects a little bit with what we talked about last week, especially about uh, revilers and reviling. But today we're going to be talking about it in terms of the prophetic as a sign of the end times, and that even the early, early, early church saw this coming and may have even had some prophecies of their own. So uh, we're going to talk about all that and more on today's JPD Weekly, stands for Josh Peck Defense Weekly. So the ascension of Isaiah Is uh, an interesting text. Now, it's not scripture. You know, we wouldn't call this God breathed or, or, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit or anything like that. But what's interesting about it is it gives us a glimpse on how some of the ancient church fathers viewed uh, some of these prophecies, viewed scripture in light of their own time right there at the beginning. If you've never heard of the Ascension of Isaiah text, it's is, um, it, it, it's a text of about three different sections, generally believed to be written at uh, on different times. We're going to be looking at what s- some assume is the earliest and actually the least controversial. Um, there are Again, there are three parts, probably different authors. Uh, the one that we're going to be looking at seems to be the one that falls more in line with uh, just standard christian thinking. Uh there are some parts in uh in the the other two parts that kind of talk about these these visions of Isaiah and depending how you read it uh could be saying some strange things. But but again, it's difficult to know how, exactly how to read it or how to interpret it, how to understand it, what the original author meant. Uh, we're not going to be getting into those today, but the earliest section, um, regarding chapters, uh, 313 through 422, we are going to be talking about some of that today. Um, and apparently it was composed at about, uh, the end of the first century AD, maybe even early second century. So this is, this is really early. If that's, you know, end of the first century AD, that, that's contemporary possibly, uh, with the book of Revelation and, and things like that. Um, but it's believed to be a text of Jewish origin that was uh, later on redacted by Christian scribes. But So, again, we don't know. The other two parts seem to be Christian, uh, specifically by Christian authors instead of Jewish authors. But, again, the other parts are a little... Are, are a little odd. It, it's hard to know exactly what's being said. There's one way to read it where it's totally fine and it makes sense. There's another way to read it where it's like that kind of teaches some strange stuff. Um, but like we said, these are three different parts written by different people. Uh, so, and none of this is scripture anyway. This is not, that. that's not why we're looking at it. We're looking at it almost as kind of a commentary. Also what the church bothers, um, wrote about was how in, in their time, there were still prophets, there were still prophecies, there were still, uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit working. I mean, we even see some of that in the book of Acts. There, there's, uh, uh, prophets and things. So I don't believe that the gifts ever really died. I don't believe that the gifts died off. I believe that they are still for us. But a lot, what comes along with that is, Uh, false prophets so we have to be made aware of that so the ascension of isaiah not scripture but it's interesting to read to see how some of the at least the one part uh, to see how ancient like early jews early uh, christians may have thought of some of these things Um, so the whole work apparently was on a later date assembled, uh, and M.A. Knib writes this about it. Um, quote, It is not known when exactly the three sec- sections of the Ascension were combined. The Greek f- uh, fragment from the 5th to 6th century, uh, the Palimpsest giving the text of the fragments of the first Latin translation, likewise from the 5th century, and then the Ethiopic translation, uh, all presuppose the existence of the complete work, but the character of the mistakes in the Greek fragment in Latin suggests the complete work had already been in existence for quite some time when these manuscripts were copied. It thus seems likely that the three sections of the Ascension were brought together in the 3rd or 4th century AD, and this is confirmed by the fact that Jerome seems to have known the complete book. It is possible that there were two stages in the process. Uh, the first... Um, first, the combination of three, uh, chapters 313 through 422 with the martyrdom. And the second, the combination of the, uh, enlarged martyrdom with the vision. So again, we're not looking at the enlarged martyrdom in the vision. We are looking at, uh, what is assumed to be the earlier parts, uh, the, the 313 through 422. Now, there's a lot that could be said about the structure of this, uh, and, it does have, it does talk about Trinitarianism um, and, and things like that. So there's there's some really interesting things about it, um, but the the manuscript as a whole has been known for quite some time. Uh, so let's get into it uh, first before we. Do that, I want to talk about specifically what the Bible has to say about the last days, and again i I'm bringing this in to talk about uh, some of the things we talked about last week. this idea that in in the last days will come like revilers and things like that last week we talked about what revilers mean um, what we're seeing today, I believe was prophesied about we're seeing a lot of dissension, we're seeing a lot of animosity of believers against other believers. Uh, and I believe that was prophesied about. And I, I believe that it's a sign of the end of the age. Now, according to uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the the human history is kind of split up into these three main ages, or well, four main ages. Uh, the first 2,000 years was the age of chaos, and that ended with the uh, call of Abraham, which that started Israel, that started uh, the age of Torah. Uh, and that ended with, Jesus, the destruction of the temple, uh, that that period in time, uh, which brought us into now the third age, the age of grace, which is what we're in now, and then we're awaiting uh, the age of the millennial reign of Jesus. So that will be the the last kind of Sabbath uh, thousand years, so 7,000 years in total split into these four ages, really three ages of 2,000 years with one age of a 1,000-year uh, Sabbath at the end. So, with that understanding, you can actually, and you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls kind of talk about this. You can piece it together through uh, some of the uh, uh, patriarchs. And actually, if you look into the work of Dr. Ken Johnson, uh, he has done amazing work in this field. But if you look at how these ages have ended, uh, you get the same thing. You, you get a lot of apostasy, you get a lot of people falling away from the faith. Uh, and you get a lot of dissension and, and infighting among believers. You get a lot of that, and you you, you really see it a lot in uh, uh, at the time of Christ, because he even said, you know, false prophets are going to come in my name. And at that time, you had a lot of people who were saying they were Christian who who actually weren't. You know, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, a lot of false prophets did come. We have. A resurgence of that today. What makes it so easy for these false prophets and these false teachers to teach uh, is we have the internet now, and it's it's easy. You know, it used to be that if you wanted to be a false teacher, if you wanted to preach some kind of new weird gospel, you would have to convince like an entire church body to corrupt that one body because you're face to face. You know, you're face to face with these people. You're held accountable. You you don't get scragglers from every church, uh, you know, in in a big city or or across the country. You would have to convince an entire church, and sometimes that did happen. I mean, we do have things like Mormonism and things like that taking off, but most times the false prophet would just be excommunicated. They would be told that they, they weren't allowed at that church anymore, and the church would continue to function. Well, today, it's totally different with the Internet. Today, it makes it so much easier for false teachers because all they have to do is get online and... Uh, Make a video, do, do a teaching, and they, they can teach anything. You can teach anything. Uh, you, you have people that will teach literally every heresy under the sun, every heresy known to man, and you're going to have people that are following those heresies and calling it Christian. So that's why we have to be incredibly careful um, when we look to these things. And I believe that this was prophesied about. Now, whether the ascension of Isaiah, the, the writer of the oldest part that we're going to look at, which I, I believe is of of the entire document I believe the part that we're going to look at to, tonight is the most reliable that's not it's not just the most reliable because it's older it's most reliable because it 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 fits in with what we're it fits in with what you read in the Bible it doesn't conflict with anything there's no well it depends if you read it this way or that way it just seems to fit so uh, the way I look at it is kind of like commentary you know um, somebody was writing under the name of Isaiah, you know, no, I don't think anybody really thinks that this was actually Isaiah who wrote this. Um, now, Dr. Ken Johnson, I heard him say once that it was actually a church father named Isaiah n- named after the prophet. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that much about the history of it, but, um, but I, I don't think anyone thinks that it's actually the prophet Isaiah. It's a pseudopogri- pseudo 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 pseudo, I can't say it. It's basically a, doc, a document that is written in the name of uh, somebody else, a, a pseudo pseudepigraphical. <laughs> that is hard to say. Let me try that one more time. Pseudepigraphical pseudepigraphical. Okay, there we go. Uh long word, hard to say. I hear Michael Heiser say it all the time. He says it flawlessly. I am no Dr. Michael Heiser. Uh but anyway, it's it's a a, a text that just means it's written in the name of somebody else. It doesn't mean right off the bat that it's necessarily fake. You, you know, it, it just means that it's name it's written in the name of somebody else. Um you know, for example. There are parts of Ezekiel that may not have been written by Ezekiel, you could, because especially when you read the beginning of the first chapter, it kind of goes back and forth between like first person and third person. Uh, so you know that that doesn't mean necessarily fake. It just means that it's written in the name of somebody else. So uh, I look at this as kind of more commentary than anything else. Now it could be that whoever wrote it did have genuine revelation from the Holy Spirit and was able to kind of expound in the commentary, expound some on what we read in uh, 2 Timothy 3, which we're going to look at in a minute. Um, so it's important to keep all that in mind before we get to this. We're not saying this is scripture, but the way that these ages have ended, you could look You could look at the end of each age and see the same things. And then we can ask ourselves today, are we seeing that in our day today? And it's important because it tells us how, how we can uh, combat against it, how we can defend against it. So let's start off, um, before we get to the ascension of Isaiah, let's start off with what what actual scripture says, and we're going to go to uh, 2 Timothy 3. This is from the ESV. Um, Godlessness in the Last Days is the header, starting right at chapter three, verse one. But understand this, that in the last days there will come, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, not loving, um, uh, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Uh, now I, I'm, I'm gonna interject real quick. I believe that, that weak women thing. I think that that is an example, speaking of weak Christians. You know, strong Christians are the bride of Christ. We're not gonna be taken in, uh, by by any of this stuff but a a weak woman will will go after and and commit fornication against her husband a weak woman will do that so a weak christian uh will will go against jesus and will go go after all of these, you know, idols or new age, or or they will go after uh, reviling each other, they'll go after um, anything that will, like, boost up their pride, you know, that that kind of stuff. So when it talks about weak women, I don't think it's being insult, uh, insulting towards women here, uh, it's just that the church is seen as the bride of Christ. So if you follow that example, uh, what would, like, apostate Christians end up being? Well, they're, they're weak women, uh, as it says, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Continuing in verse 7, Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Now, how much have we seen that? Always learning. Think about today with the internet. We we have access to pretty much all of human history, all of human knowledge. Anything anybody has in their head, they can put uh, online, and we all have ex- ex- access to it. But because of that, we're all learning a lot of garbage, aren't we? You know, uh, if we look, if we think of just the internet and we're not selective about what we're learning and what we're casting aside, we can learn a lot of garbage. So we're never arriving at a knowledge of the truth. So when you get people who follow these these apostate doctrines, uh, which cause them, and you can tell by the fruit. You know, it it causes them when they're doing things like denying the Trinity and stuff like that, it causes them a sense of pride. They get the sense of pride when, when they tell you now that, that you have to, uh, uh, go back under the law, and, and the 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 whole idea of grace is not what you think it is. You know, when they follow after all of these things, these, by the way, are the same types of uh, false doctrines that the early, early, early church, like in the time of Jesus, had to deal with. When you read when you read about the in the Dead Sea Scrolls, when you read about the um, Essenes, when you read in Josephus about the Essenes, you know, you could think of the Essenes. Now there's a lot of there's there was a lot of groups that took on the name Essenes that weren't really Essenes. True Essenes were basically early Christians. true Essenes uh actually knew who Jesus was. They accepted him when he came uh and that was that. They became Christians. They became us. Uh but there were factions of Essenes. There were Gnostic Essenes. There were uh there were there were all sorts of different groups. Josephus um and Hippolytus, I believe. Uh or may, maybe one, maybe one or the other. But they uh one of them or both of them spoke about factions of the Essenes and Dr. Ken Johnson has talked about this on his channel too where they had to de- deal with some heresies in their own groups specifically they had their own version of sacred namers they had their own version of people who thought everything was pagan they would not even carry coins around because it had a picture of you know caesar on it or something and they didn't want they they thought that that was like a pagan thing and they would they wouldn't even carry coins around uh so there was that and then there was um a type of Hebrew roots. It was called the circumcision party, but it was basically, uh, it, it was, it was people trying to convince Christians that they had to go back under the law in various ways, uh, specifically circumcision, but in, in, and with that led a lot of other things. So it, it really caused a lot of problems. Well, we're seeing in our age today, just like at the end of that age, the end of the age of the law, we're seeing that at the end of the age of grace. We're seeing that in our day today. We're seeing those same do- those same false doctrines spring back up. Now we're seeing a lot more too, because now we don't just have a localized area in Israel, um, where all of this stuff is kind of confined. We have the whole world and we have the whole internet where all of this stuff can breed. So now instead of a few different factions, now there's thousands and thousands and thousands, if not more, uh, factions. So we have to, we have to keep in mind. Um, so that's what it means. You're always learning, but never, Able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. You know, you, 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 when you think of everything that's out there, you, you, let, let's say like 99% of it is like knowledge, but 1% of it is truth. You know, what is the narrow path? What did Jesus actually teach? I mean, you have people out there today that are calling Paul a false prophet. It's 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 ridiculous. So, you you can have that you can have knowledge of these things, but what's the actual truth? These people don't don't arrive to the knowledge of truth. And then it goes on in verse 8, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and uh disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far for the their folly will be plain to us all, as was that of those two men. So uh, their folly will be plain to us all. And I believe that that's why whoever wrote the section of the Ascension of Isaiah that we're going to look at had such an easy time doing it. Whether it was by guidance of the Holy Spirit or not, who knows? Could this have been a, an inspired prophecy? I don't consider it inspired scripture for sure, but... But could this be a a prophecy that somebody wrote down just like, you know, I believe there are prophets today and I believe a prophet can write something down. That doesn't mean that that is now scripture that belongs in the canon of the Bible, uh, but that can still happen. So whether it's that or whether it's just commentary on things like this, uh, either way, I think that that's why it would have been easy to kind of know what was going to come at the end of our age and what we're seeing now. So with that, let's flip over to the ascension of Isaiah. I'm uh, getting this from earlychristianwritings.com and we're going to start. Um, let's see, where do I want to start here? Uh, so in here around verses, you know, 12, 13, uh, so the, the, the earliest part that we were talking about, um, does start in, uh, verse 13. I want to skip ahead a little bit because some of this is about Jesus and how Jesus sent out the 12. Um, so it says, you know, they, uh, he, he sent us out as 12 disciples. And then verse 18, and they will teach all the nations in every tongue of the resurrection of the beloved. And those who believe his cross will be saved. And in his ascension into the seventh heaven, whence he came. Uh, and that seventh heaven, from what I understand in the Bible, it talks about three heavens, you know, the third heaven as heaven. Uh, and from what I understand in early documents, that third heaven is, is, uh, divided into, what would that be like five? Yeah, five, six, seven, in like five different sections or something. But it, when, you, when you see seventh heaven, just think third heaven and, and you're fine. Um, seventh heaven, whence he came. Uh, and that many who believe in him will speak through the Holy Spirit, and many signs and wonders will be wrought in those days. So this is talking about the age of grace. Uh, and afterwards, on the eve of his approach, so this is talking about the second coming of Jesus, uh, so the end of the age of grace. His disciples were, will forsake the teachings of the 12 apostles and their faith and their love and their purity. We have people today that are uh, forsaking all this stuff. Again, we got people today that are calling Paul a false prophet even. Um, but we have people that are forsaking the teachings of the 12 apostles. What did they teach? They taught grace. Uh, we, we have people forsaking that. What did they teach? The gospel of Jesus Christ that only through him is how you get saved. Only through him is how you can be reconciled uh, to God, to the Father, and have entrance in eternity with him, not by going back under the law. Uh, And uh, so so we have Jesus' disciples, people today, who are forsaking the clear teachings of the 12 apostles. They're forsaking what's in the New New Testament. They're either twisting it around, uh, or they're denying it completely. There are some people that have just gone just full blown Judaism, um, which you know, okay, if somebody wants to switch religions, they can, but they should not call that Christianity anymore. But they are they are also forsaking their faith and their and their love and their purity, you know. Uh, my, my wife, Christina, has been noticing this online quite a bit. She made mention of it to me, and I, I've, I've seen it a little bit here and there, that you actually have so-called Christian men that are going online and boasting about sleeping with random women. They, they are forsaking their purity, and they're saying that this is actually a biblical thing, that it's okay to do this. Um, when you really look into what the Nicolaitans were all about, that was part of it. Uh, fornicating and being boastful about it. That was part of it. Um, it's in, you know what, we're going to have to do, we'll do a whole, we'll do a whole JPD Weekly on the Nicolaitans and what that was all about. Uh, but but you, you can find out what the ancient church fathers said about them as well to really get what they talked about. It wasn't just that, because some people will say, well, the Nicolaitans, they would have a leader, you know, the leader speaking uh, in the front and everybody else had to sit down, so that's like modern day church, that is not what it was. Uh, that's not what it was at all. Um, so you can look at the ancient church fathers and get that. We'll, we'll do a whole episode on that sometime. But we're seeing uh, a, a reinvention of that. We're, we're seeing like a revamp of that. Um, so, But they're also sacrificing their love. These doctrines don't typically produce a humble loving attitude, do they? A lot of times when people fall into these doctrines, they get mean. I've seen it happen to good friends of mine, people I've considered good friends. They fall into some of these things and then they just get mean. Now, that you you can tell, you can kind of tell if a doctrine's okay or not by the fruit. I mean, you really tell it by comparing it with scripture and seeing if it's right or not. But again, a lot of these people will twist scripture. Uh, they'll turn it Uh, They'll turn it around. A a lot of them have become anti-Semitic again, which you you see that, too, at the end of the last age, beginning of the age of grace. You see a lot. Even some of the ancient church fathers were really anti-Semitic. And so you're seeing that rise up again. It's kind of become cool and trendy. Again, I've lost friends to that as well. Because ultimately, if I have to pick between my friend and Jesus, I'm going to pick Jesus. So when somebody all of a sudden says that, you know, they're a white nationalist and they want a homogenous nation and all of the, all, all, all of the, you know, Jews are like the cause of the world's problems. Th- like that, that's so not Christian. It's like, if you want to believe that, okay, but don't call yourself a Christian because that, that is, completely not what Christianity is. And people judge Christianity on that just like people judge the Essenes now based on these weird fraction Gnostic uh, heretical groups. So we're seeing all of this stuff repeat. Um, but yeah, I mean you you don't they're not really known by their love anymore. People that get into this stuff. Okay, continuing in verse 22, and there will be much contention on the eve of his advent and his approach. So on the eve of like when Jesus is about to come back, there's going to be a lot of contention. And what do we see today? A lot of contention. And in those days many will love office though devoid of wisdom. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that is like somebody saw in today and is writing about it. Think about a lot of the uh, well-known pastors today, the, the, the a lot of the televangelists, a lot of the really well-known ones. They're more known for office, but they, they're totally devoid of wisdom. You know, people that actually have wisdom, you you tend not to hear about them because they're not as popular. You know, actually, people like that seem to have a hard time uh, getting ahead. But a lot of it, too, is because they don't really care about their office office necessarily, as much as they do uh, care about Jesus and representing Christ well. Verse 24, and there will be many lawless elders and shepherds dealing wrongly by their own sheep, and they will ravage them owing to their not having holy shepherds. Definitely seeing that. And many will change in the honor of the garments for the, of the saints for the gar, garments of the covetous. And there will be much respect of persons in those days and lovers of the honor of this world. Man, and we get that so much today. They're, they're, people are respecters of persons, you know, who they know, who who they look up to. It's the person that they look up to instead of actually the teaching. And again, like it's it's a good example that they, you know, this this metaphor that they give. They're they're trading the honor of the garments of the saints for the garments of the covetous. And we see a lot of uh, covetousness today. Um, and, and they're more concerned with the honor of the world. You know, if people like me, I'll get a big audience and, and and that kind of thing. There will be much slander and vainglory at the approach of the Lord. If you want to know slander, I mean, just read some YouTube comments on your favorite Christian YouTube channel. You're going to get a lot of, you'll see a lot of slander there. Uh, people online there there's more I believe I honestly believe that our day right now there is more slander in the world than there ever has been because before the internet people were personally held responsible for their slander if you were going to slanderize somebody you did it face to face or you did it behind their back to other people to their face you know but still you were you were held responsible by the people you were talking it's not it's not like that today Today, anybody can post anything online with an anonymous name. You don't know who they are, uh, they, and they can they can just slander at will. But God knows who they are. So I believe that because of that, it's emboldened many people, and we see a lot of slander and vainglory at the approach of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit will withdraw from many. I, I And... <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll tell you, when you read about like the workings of the Holy Spirit in the in the first century church, the the early church, and compare it today, I mean, it's like apples and oranges. Um, I mean, especially in our country, I can't really speak for all around the world, but in our country, especially, I, I would say it would be accurate to say that the Holy Spirit is withdrawn from many. And it says, uh, verse 27, and there will not be in those days many prophets nor those who speak trustworthy words, save one here and there in diverse places. And isn't that exactly what we see? We have people that they don't even believe that prophecy exists anymore because of all of the false prophets. There's so many of them. It's hard to find one. It's hard to find like a real one. It's hard to find somebody who's actually wanting to teach truth or who does hear from the Holy Spirit. And even then, you have to be so skeptical and you have to be so careful because there's just so many false prophets out there and they sound great at first, but they always end up falling. But sometimes it can be years before that happens, before they expose themselves as false. And so, I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's really hard. Um, see, see that this, this amazed me when I read it, just how accurate it is to our day today. Um, just, just save one here or there in diverse places on account of the spirit of error and fornication of, of vainglory, uh, I mean, this is this is what what people are doing. They get into these false doctrines, and then they they promote them because of vainglory. Because it's giving it's they're getting attention online. They're getting big YouTube channels. They're getting a lot of followers. They're getting uh, devotees and and people like that. Um, and of covetedness, covet, covetousness, so they look to other people. And you know, you'll get leaders fighting with other leaders. You know, you'll get you'll get your favorite. Uh, uh, you youtube personalities that are teaching some weird thing about christianity fighting with all the others they always fight with each other because of covetousness because they see the success of each other and they get jealous um which shall be in those who will be called servants of the one and those who will receive that one um and there will be great hatred in the shepherds and elders towards each other. It's exactly, it, you see that a lot. You see a lot of hatred. I mean, you see a lot of leaders that will go out and hate on other leaders. Now, look, I disagree with a lot of you know false teachers, let's say. But I also believe that if they could just get their theology straight and if they could really repent, there's, there's a lot of potential there. They, they could turn it around. Joel Osteen could turn it around. I don't hate him. You know, I don't, I don't watch his show. I don't think that he's theologically sound, but I don't hate him and neither should you. It, it, that's a sin. Now, what we should be doing. Is loving him enough to pray for him and pray that he'll repent and turn around and and be able to to, to really affect the millions of people that watch him? Because that would be great. That would be an, an amazing thing for Jesus, right? I don't know if we'll see it, but I, I've heard people that are so steeped in their hatred that they'll they'll say they have said that it's a waste of time to pray for him because it's a lost cause. That that's just hatred. There's no love in that. Uh, For there will be great jealousy in the last days, for everyone will say what is pleasing in his own eyes. That's why you have so many... Christian teachers that contradict one another because they're not saying what's pleasing to Jesus. They're saying what's pleasing in their own eyes. They're conforming the Bible to what they want to be true instead of conforming themselves to what the Bible says. Um, and then the last verse here, and they will make of none effect the prophecy of the prophets, which were before me. And these, my visions will also, will they make of none effect in order to speak after the impulse of their own hearts. They, they, they will make, they will make the scripture basically visible void because they want to speak out of the conceit of their own hearts. And that's why these people always end up going apostate. They always end up going full-blown Gnostic or New Age or anti-Semite Semite, uh, or, or j- just something unrecognizable uh, to Christianity. They start denying that Jesus is the Savior. You know, it, it starts it starts by it starts by saying that you're not pronouncing his name right, but then all of a sudden they're gonna say that he's actually Satan. I, I've I've seen that progression happen time and time again. We should not want to get anywhere near that. You know, one step in that direction is one step away from the truth. So that kind of stuff. We we need to really huddle together and and really be on guard for that. Um, now, there's some interesting things about the ascension of Isaiah that talk about the Antichrist, and I do want to talk about that, but we're going to do that in the members-only section. So please head on over to dailyrenegade.com and get a membership. If you haven't already, you'll get the rest of uh, this uh, JPD Weekly, and you'll get so much more. You'll get full episodes of The Sharpening Report, Detox Babylon, Christian Marauder, Christian Contrarian, and much more. Uh, make sure you do that. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, what are the signs that the Antichrist and false prophet are gonna perform? What does it have to do with the sun and the moon? You are gonna be amazed at what, uh, this document has to say, and it's, it's really interesting stuff. Um, so you're, you're gonna, you're gonna wanna check that out. So please, uh, If you haven't already, go check out dailyrenegade.com, get a subscription, get a membership, join the family, and we will see you there. People, uh, if you are a member, hang on the line. Everybody else watching for free, thank you so much. Until next time, take care and God bless. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy.